microphone check. One, two, three. It is Wade. Hello, Wade. Hey, Rick. And Rick. Now uh, coming back at you with this week in fantasy football episode fifty-three. That's right. The highly anticipated episode fifty-three. We've been back from a a week off. Uh, once again, a little bit of an unanticipated hiatus, but it's good to be back. Um, we're going to keep it short and sweet this week. We just think that it's something that would be a good thing to try, and hopefully you, our wonderful, devoted audience, finds it um, pleasant. Yeah. Hopefully we're not boring anyone out there with our long podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I, like although, all the you know, feedback that I get is that people love it. Okay, so okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. So week seven's in the bag. We're now deep into the second quarter of the NFL season. There are no more undefeated teams. Yeah, halfway th- halfway through the fantasy season, regular season. That's right. Oh my god, that's a little bit frightening to me, given <laughs> my performance on my fantasy teams last week. Uh, yes. but you know, yeah, I mean, uh, the, that's one of the great things about the NFL season is that it's short and to the point, right? That's not a bunch of bullshit. Right. Right. We're still dealing with baseball at this point, you know, and the NBA season, I believe started tonight. Just so, started. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we hop right into it and let's jump right in with news and notes that I think the big fantasy news of the week is Miami Dolphins running back Jay Ajayi with turning in his second consecutive 200-yard game, a feat that's been accomplished only three times previously in NFL history. Once, it was done twice by the same player, so maybe four times total, but OJ did it twice. The other players to do it were? Jay Ajayi. Well, he's done it once. (laughs) I don't know who else. Adrian Peterson? Earl Campbell. Okay. That's it, right? No, no, no. And there's one more... um, Oh, wow. so it's four times previously, but three well, other players. Three other players. So this is, yeah, I mean, he's the fourth player to ever do it. And one know. of the things that was amusing was the three of them had the same style of... No, so so the one other player is another former Dolphin, Ricky Williams. Oh, okay. Earl Campbell, who I mentioned, mm-hmm. who did in 1980, and O.J. Simpson did it twice. Um, in 73 and in 76. So it's pretty elite. I mean, that's a pretty elite crew of running backs. Is Jay Ajayi <laughs> worthy of such company? He is now statistically. So that's a pretty amazing feat. Yeah. I mean, only time will tell with that one. But he, 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 he now, you know, has the opportunity to prove that he can play at an elite level like those previous running backs you mentioned. Yeah, and the Dolphins look like a different team with him running that way. They had to get the ball out of Tannehill's hands. He's just not worthy enough to run that offense. They got to... Yeah, he's looked very (laughs) mediocre all season. But if you have a running back that's that dominant, it takes so much pressure off the quarterback and, you know, not, not every quarterback, even if they have a strong arm and you know, have a few good games is meant to be a, a franchise quarterback. An interesting kind of uh, byproduct of this and an odd one is Arian Foster's announced his retirement. Yeah. I guess he got hurt again. Some Maybe he got his feelings hurt. <laughs> I think it was just some minor thing that he always gets, you know, and uh, he just decided, 
he saw the you know the page turning and uh, Ajayi is obviously going to be the foundation back there now and he just decided I'm not going to go through a whole nother you know rehab however long it takes and decided to retire and let uh, the Dolphins move on without him. Yeah, and I think I don't think anybody's going to question that decision. The only thing that's surprising is that Foster, up until he had his kind of injury-riddled season with Houston, um, I mean, before last season, people were still considering him a number one pick and certainly a number one running back, if not a number one pick per se. Yeah. Um, and things just kind of went south quickly. But he's the type of human being that had other things going, so to see him walk away is... I think he's played eight seasons. I mean, that's a pretty short career for someone who who was such a big star. It's 2010, I think, was his first year. But, um, yeah, just a nod to one of the fantasy greats out there. I mean, there was definitely like two or three seasons where he was the uh, unanimous number one pick overall. Um, he was amazing. He, he carried a lot of teams during those uh, first couple of years. I think his second, third, fourth year, he was – you know, undoubtedly the greatest at, at the running back position. And, you know, there's always a couple guys like that. You know, we're seeing that this year with David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott, you know, these running backs who everybody wants to have. And that's why we pick running backs so early in the first round. If you're able to hit on someone like that, who's like a, such a star and such a foundation for fantasy, um, you know, it, it, you, if you think about Arian Foster at his peak, he's up there with with all the greats in, in fantasy lore. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I also think it's interesting in, in comparison, Jay Ajayi, I know that he was actually somebody that you had mentioned, you know, during our draft research in the preseason as, as, as a player to target. Some 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 people knew, you know, that he was a talent with uh, potential, but um yeah, you know, things can change quickly. Um, as uh, one of my all-time favorite freestyle songs sung by Expose uh, is titled Seasons Change. Moving on, um, uh, Matt Stafford, Matthew Stafford in Detroit. Statistically, nothing that exciting. 260 yards, one touchdown. But huge comeback against the Redskins. Thank God. I hate I hate that fucking team. But I think to me, from a fantasy standpoint, more importantly, it's just kind of a reminder to not write off quarterbacks too quickly. I mean, I don't know. He's been in the league for quite some time, so it's not as if he wasn't given a shot. I think he's he's largely been considered in the top tier of quarterbacks, but at the bottom of the top tier for a few years. Um, I think it was more just that Detroit has been so inconsistent during that time frame. But we have mentioned their offensive quarterback, their offensive coordinator, actually probably six or seven times on our podcast, <laughs> Jim Bob Cooter. And his since his arrival midseason last year, it's really turned things around in Detroit. Um, again, statistically, nothing too um, exceptional, but he's had a couple of good games previously, four touchdowns a week previous, three against the Eagles before that. <laughs> so um, he's doing well for the season. If anybody has him on there as a starter, I'm sure they're, pretty happy um but uh yeah things look like they're heading in the right direction in detroit um it's it's actually nice to see um i think i read a a stat earlier maybe last week about um stafford actually being like the fastest 
quarterback to a certain yardage total. Um, first, I don't know how long he's been playing, but you know, however long he's been playing, he's he's a, reached a certain milestone faster than anyone else, and um, which is pretty amazing. But they did, you know. So let me get so let me get this straight. What you're saying is that he is he has achieved some type of milestone. Yes, and um, better than you anybody. Know, right, and okay. I think a lot of that had to do with you know how they threw the ball in Detroit for so long. Uh, you know, back when he first came in the league, they threw the ball way more than anyone else, and that you know that probably has a lot to do with it. But you can kind of see this kind of mature maturity happening with him, um, where he's becoming more of a um, you know a professional quarterback, not just a fantasy uh, potential there. Um, to see him, you know, um, halfway through the season here, seven games in, not even seven games in, he has um, almost 2,000 yards, passing 15 touchdowns, only four interceptions, and winning games um, like that one uh, against Washington this past week and then the week before, and the week, even the week before that, um, really tight games. Um, you know, he seems like he's just becoming more of a professional quarterback, which is nice. Um, not necessarily the top five fantasy stud that we've seen in the past, but he's still a QB one, I think, at this point. So, um, oh, oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, yeah, he's. I mean, I would overall, say that he's so. he's always had a certain um, toughness to him, or resilience, but they just haven't always been able to execute. And I think the thing that we're seeing with this new incarnation of the Detroit Lions offense is that it's the system and there are so many ingredients that go in. It's the mixture of having the right people at skill and also at the, you know, blocking positions. Um, it's having the right scheme for your talent, hopefully having a defense that helps the offense kind of stay in the game. Um, and then having a great quarterback. And so you need all of these things to really execute to, 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 to excuse me. You need all of these things to deliver on the potential, but I think Stafford's always had the potential. He's always shown, um, you know, some glimpses of his of, of his potential, um, of his of his brilliant potential. And I mean, you look back at you know his stats over the years in terms of um, yardage in in 2011, 41 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. Mm-hmm. 2012, almost you know, pretty much 5,000 yards. Um, but a much worse touchdown to interception ratio. So he's been um, an exciting player for a long time, but now it looks like they have something better going. So if you have him in your starting lineup, you definitely want to keep him. Um, up next, the Chargers offense. Uh, turns out they're actually pretty good despite suffering some horrible injuries that have been that started off their season in, in the wrong direction. Uh, but they won two in a row. Um, once again, with the first against a kind of d- d- diminished uh, Broncos team because they were missing Kubiak. Um, but this week, a um, pretty nice comeback win. Yeah, against the Atlanta Falcons, who have been like the Cinderella story this year um, with their offense and defense kind of um, winning some a lot of games to start the season. And Chargers came back. Actually won the game at the end there for the first time, uh, really winning one of those close games against instead of you know blowing it um, 
So again, it was kind of the reverse story, right? <laughs> I mean, they, they actually came from behind instead of blowing a lead. Yeah, yeah, and the defense really kind of like what took charge of that. The defense has been really. Melvin just, Gordon also had one incredible play. He had a monster game. You know, he he was the number one running back this this week with three touchdowns, and you know, he's just obviously there's no one else there, so he's going to get the the lion's share of the load there. Obviously, so anyone Antonio who, Gates was also doing some monstering. Yeah, well, Hunter Henry, um, who has been like making strides recently, um, I guess had a con- came out of that game with a concussion. So um, Gates is is going to get plenty of play, you know, moving forward until Henry Henry can come back. Um, but the, yeah, the Chargers' offense um, has just been really solid all year. Um, I was looking at a stat today that Terrell Williams, who had a really you know wonderful game against Atlanta. Um, he's on pace to have over 1200 yards and this guy who was on his pre- the practice squad last year. So it's pretty amazing. You know, he, he's really big, really fast. And Phillip rivers is making kind of making a star out of him, you know, and, th- and that's actually the first, uh, that'll be the first, uh, wide receiver in San Diego to go over tw- 1200 yards. If he does it since 1995, that is insane. <laughs> and it's this guy, you know, like it's not Keenan Allen, it's not Travis Benjamin, it's not, you know, any, anybody other, any of these other names we've heard in the most recent past. It's Terrell Williams. So, um, but he's, he's, he's on the top 10 on yards per catch. He's, he's just uh, been, been really amazing for Rivers and he's spreading the field like Rivers uh, likes to do. And so he's, he, you know, if you were fortunate enough to pick him up or draft him, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's not available anymore, but um, he's he's really looking good for the foreseeable future. And then the other aspect that's made a big difference in the Chargers turning their um, season around in terms of wins and losses um, has been the emergence of Joey Bosa, who missed the first yep. few games due to injury, um, has now been in for the last two weeks and the two weeks that they've won games. So, Yep, and he's only made two starts so far. Um, but... If you look at the numbers, he's actually leading the league after making two starts and playing only three games. He's leading the league uh, in uh, quarterback uh, pressure. Phenomenal. Um, <laughs> that's you know so good news in San Diego. Um, quickly, I just wanted to touch on this crazy overtime game Sunday night. Um, what we thought was going to be a really you know fun game to watch was the Seahawks Cardinals um, battle of the NFC West leaders. Um, really the Seahawks are the leader the, the Cardinals have kind of struggled a little bit, but we know they're still a quality team turned out to a crazy defensive battle, special yeah. teams battle. Um, and one of the stranger finishes you will ever see in an NFL game. Um, the game went to overtime in overtime. There was actually some very impressive drives all the way down the field by both teams that ended up in missed field goals. Oh, first they first they both hit a field goal. Excuse me, that's right. Going. Right. So it was both things happened. <laughs> they both hit on their first drive. They both made the. They actually had good drives. Okay, decent drives. Made the field goals. Kickoff. Both teams respectively drove all the way down the field. Very very close. In fact, the Cardinals, I think, had they. Um, challenged um the call on the play just before they um 
tried the field goal. Tried the field goal. That um, their running back broke the plane. He may have broke the plane. David Johnson or uh, David Johnson. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I was I was actually curious why they didn't just try again. You know, it's, it was only third was, down because right, that that play was on second down. It was now third and goal on the last you know on the one foot line two foot line right. but i think the theory is in that situation is if you get a bad snap you can just fall on it and and you still have fourth down but if you think about it what's the worst thing if you get a bad snap on fourth down and you pin the, this this other offense who's scored nine points in five quarters inside the <laughs> one it actually might be a, a positive yeah. thing for your team um, I think obviously looking back at it that, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, anybody would want that decision back and I'm sure Arians, uh, Bruce Arians head coach in, um, uh, Phoenix looks back at it or Arizona looks, looks at it and wishes he could have uh, made some different calls, but it ended up being too shanked. Actually the, the, the cards field goal, um, off the goalpost, yeah. off Cantanzaro hits the goalpost you know, misses the kick by a foot. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like a 23 yarder, you know, it's like a, a gimme for the most part. It doesn't get any more chip shottier than that. And then, um, Hauschka completely (laughs) shanks it with 15 seconds to go in the game. And, uh, with the, with the time. So really fun, strange, bizarre, um, finish. Yeah. That was a wild game. I mean, air conditioner. (laughs) Really, I, I was just wondering, you know, what was happening there. Um, I, I had actually some uh, fantasy play in that with David Johnson, who is like really. It's pretty obvious that Arizona is like going to run everything through him. He, he must have had a million touches that on uh, Sunday night. So, and that really killed me in our in our longtime league, our expert league, as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it brought you know shrunk it down to just a, uh, under five points for me, and then Emmanuel Sanders put it put it away. But um, looked really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you know, I was I was kind of paying attention to that one to see what would happen. I, I was glad that he did not get that touchdown at the end. You know, even though the game was really you know a defensive battle, which. Some people love, some people hate. You know, I, I'm I'm more in the latter as far as that's concerned. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. It wasn't a great game to watch, but it was it was kind of just interesting and curious. Manuel Sanders actually played last night. Yeah. Um, uh, um, Houston, Denver, um, Brock Osweiler. I think I just wanted to call out. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wow, just just a horrid, horrid game. He's looking like um, a he's mistake. just getting worse and worse and worse. Of course, yeah. you know I think you do have to consider this was against one of the best defenses in the league. Um, there might have been some psychological aspects playing in Denver, um, but it doesn't really. That's not none, none of those are legitimate excuses for the game that he had. No. So, but I don't yeah. think anyone in fantasy targeted Osweiler, picked Osweiler. If you did, he was like a backup, a number two, and I'm sure by now anybody nobody has him on their roster anymore. <laughs> I hope he's pretty yeah, I think he's pretty much out not owned for the most part, you know. So um 
Moving on, Chicago, Brian Hoyer, who we had been kind of recognizing that he had really stepped into the starting role during Cutler's injury with really impressive skill and had had some really solid games and stats. Uh, yep. Broke his arm. Some really good numbers for three, four games there. Um, and ended up going out of this one with a broken arm. And we ended up with, that was a Thursday night game, ended up with Matt Barkley killing, you know, everyone's fantasy day. Uh, Jordan <laughs> Howard did nothing. Oh, Cameron Meredith, <laughs> who has been playing for, really well with Hoyer, you know, he really was a big fat zero. And uh, Alshon Jeffrey, who I haven't heard tonight yet, but a possibility that he may be traded here to the Eagles. Um, looking forward to seeing that tomorrow. Um, but yeah, the Bears, you know, and, and big surprise, suddenly Cutler is no longer injured, you know. So um, Cutler's coming back. Uh, not that any, anyone really cares for fantasy, although, you know, I did highlight him in the uh, waiver wire uh, report um, that he is coming back. So, um, I don't know, you know what to the, the Chicago Bears. Look, if offense. you're desperate, if you're desperate and you have a two QB league, or you <laughs> you, you need a, a placeholder for a bye week, I mean, right. Cutler is going to be in lineup. There's there's there, there's nothing to say that he won't throw for two touchdowns and you know 215 or 260 yards. Yeah, it's just the kind two, of league that two we interceptions. Got to add the. It's two also going to come with a pick and a fumble, right? So. <laughs> He's he he's a horrible quarterback, but he does throw the ball a lot. So it's yeah, like kind of yeah. give and take there. This is if you're in a desperate situation. Of course, of course. Um, what you don't want to ever do is play any quarterback in an orange helmet. Um, the Cleveland <laughs> the solid Browns, orange, solid helmet, orange. Yeah. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns have had one of the most insane, cursed snake bit seasons at the quarterback position that I have ever, ever seen that anybody has ever seen in the NFL. The latest Cody Kessler, who started the season as their third string quarterback, also now out injured, um, replacing him, somebody by the name of Kevin Hogan. Another rookie. Yeah. Don't know who he is that much, but I get apparently he can hit a receiver. His life depended on it on Sunday but he ran for something like 70 yards. I don't know exactly, but had a 28-yard touchdown. Um, but, you know, we're in the pros here. You can't uh, run the the uh, read option every play. So um, he had a, over 100 yards rushing. So there you go. Um, yeah, he's a rookie. He's a... Uh, Oh, no, he's not even. Yeah, he is a rookie. He was uh, drafted by the Chiefs. He uh, cut, obviously. And now he's playing for the Browns. The Browns have had six quarterbacks under center this year and through seven games. That's including Terrell Pryor, who uh, took some snaps uh, every so often. And that he was more also, Wildcat stuff. Right. So, you know. He's also hurt, by the way. So. Um, it didn't do much this past week, even though he's been like a real upside play for a couple of weeks there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Cleveland, what do you expect? You know, no, I mean, I, I saw many, many articles this weekend talking about, oh, is Terrell Pryor number one? So he had really <laughs> been the one positive story in Cleveland this season. 
Right, and they're talking about giving him a, a contract extension. Um, Which certainly, I mean, I think that's an exciting thing for the future. Uh, I mean, especially in, in a, such a hopeless situation that they have that they're that they're building in, in Cleveland. I mean, it just keeps getting the story. Even when you think it's hit rock bottom, it gets worse. Um, you know, they have no hope at quarterback. Um, their offense in general is garbage. Their defense can't stop anybody. Speaking of which, Cincinnati had a yeah. phenomenal game, as yeah. have many teams against Cleveland this year. But um, you know, Terrell Pryor was the bright spot. Now he's injured, so even even if he you know gets healthy quickly, kind of doesn't matter um, because they're going to have uh, basically a practice squad player playing quarterback. Pretty much, that's that's what's happening this week. So if you have any Cleveland Browns, uh, put them on your bench. Um, they don't expect anything out of them. Very very briefly, I'm going to talk about the Oakland Raiders who um, triumphed over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Looking good again, five and two, leading the AFC West. You know, every, anybody on their team, I think, is worth considering. I mean, excuse me, any of their starters. I think you want to, if you have them, Crabtree, Amari Cooper, Derek Carr this week, obviously at running back. Lat Murray came back, had a very, very good game. Um, they do a little bit of platooning at running back. So, you know, I actually picked yeah. up Jalen Richard in one of my leagues. <laughs> um, but Washington and, and Taiwan Jones get the ball plenty. But Lat Murray, if he's healthy, you know, he's going to have 10 to 15 touches at least. Um, and he might get a touchdown here and there. He's not going to, you know, win too many games for you. But everybody else, a worthy start unless you have, you know, a true number one, you know. I don't know. I, I have Carr in one league, but I'm not starting him because I have um, – Matty Ice also. So. Oh, right, right. Your favorite, Matt Ryan. Yeah, I, I think um, it seemed pretty apparent. It's a really crowded back backfield there with uh, Latavius Murray coming back. DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard both look good, but they neither one of them really established themselves yeah. while he was out. And it's pretty apparent, you know, they're probably going to each get, you know, 10 touches per game but uh latavius murray is obviously the goal line back he had two touchdowns in this game um that offense has been one of the more solid offenses this year so he is a solid play again you know at least at the flex position which um he's probably you're probably able to play him now you know um he's going to get plenty of touchdowns it looks like as long as he's on the field um the guy that's really impressing me there is michael crabtree um, you know, who was really solid last year as a touch kind of a touchdown guy for Derek Carr, a uh, little TD blanky kind of guy there. Um, but obviously Carr loves to throw to him and uh, any contested ball he seems to come down with. Um, he's just kind of having a really nice resurgence, although he did have a resurgence last year. But even this year, it's like he's taking his, 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 uh, game to the next level. So when, when, uh, someone the top corner can go out there and shut down Amari Cooper like they did last weekend, this past weekend. Um, it's nice to have Michael Crabtree on the other side there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's definitely, uh, it seems like it appears to be Derek Carr's security blanket. Um, they have incredible chemistry. A lot of the plays that they're making the two of them, um, in the red zone are with inches to spare. These are not, um, you know, Crab is not a physically dominant, you know, oversized wide receiver. He's pretty standard size. It just their timing is phenomenal. 
the confidence that they have in each other is without question. Um, and Amari Cooper still is making big plays. Amari Cooper is still considered like the number one guy there. Crabs, yeah. you know, whatever eight years into his career, um, has in the, having his resurgence, but he has these incredibly soft hands and, um, their timing is right. Um, so it's just working well. And by the way, they have a number three too. And Seth Roberts, who's also making big plays and is a good flex play. Yeah. Seth Roberts is all T, you know, TD reliant, but he gets plenty of looks around the goal line. Uh, Carl loves to look his way, yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, to go on Cooper, I know, you know, you see game like we saw here, Jalen Ramsey kind of manned up on him. Uh, he only got four catches for 30 yards. Um, so it's a little disappointing for fantasy, but when he is not, you know, facing up against a, a kind of a shutdown guy like that, you're going to see those 150 games like we have seen in the past, you know, uh, month or so. And he's just, he's just amazing. So that offense is really clicking. It's really nice to be part of that for fantasy. On the other side of that game, Blake Bortles looked horrible. Um, Alan Robinson did nothing. Alan Hearns did nothing. So if you have Jacksonville players on your squad, I'm sorry <laughs> for you. Okay. So that that's news and notes um, for this week. Why don't we talk about, um, uh, a little bit of viral in content. You'll never believe who's back on track. Who do we have that people should pay attention to? So if you have these players on your team and they were out injured or you're looking to pick up somebody who's coming back from injury, who should our uh, fantasy owners be looking out for? Well, we got Des Bryant coming back. You know, that's pretty much uh, the Cowboys are saying he's definitely going to play this week. Um, he's still listed as out at this point. Um, but... Um, he's 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 excited to come back. He's ready to play again. So um, you know, Des get Des back into your lineups for uh, week eight here. And we still believe it'll be Dak Prescott throwing the ball in yes. Dallas. Okay, Dak is going to play at least for this week in uh, week nine. They said Romo will not be ready even for week nine. So if Dak can, you know, I think we had this discussion a couple weeks ago. If Dak continues to win some games you know they're they're obviously um running that offense off ezekiel elliott who's getting over you know 150 yards rushing for like three four weeks in a row so um such a dominant you know uh run game there Dak doesn't have to do a lot but um if he keeps winning games i think they're going to keep pushing romo back you know um, and like you said, you know, they eventually they may just not, not bring Romo back in if, if Dak continues to impress. Cool. I see your 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 position is evolving on that. Good to know. <laughs> I, I I expect to see Romo sometime this year, but I, I'm not counting on it now. It's going to be something we have to watch week by week. And, you know, it's a good problem to have in some sense. Um, the fact that he's not going to be coming back, like, or they've announced that he won't be back immediately after the bye week, I think is significant news. Um, obviously, if Dap continues to lead a winning team, that yeah. makes the decision harder. But they're, they'll kick that can down the road as long as they can. But you add Des Bryant, a healthy Des Bryant, to the equation, it's only going to make Dak that much more effective potentially. Um, so, you know, you kind of wonder, you know, is Roma rooting for, uh, Des to hold out for a little bit? Okay. Um, who else besides Des Bryant? I mean, that's kind of like, you know, um, 
the same story that happened in Chicago with Brian Hoyer, you know, um, do we color was supposedly hurt and, you know, now he's back, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, with Hoyer's injury. So, I mean, it could be a similar situation, you know, dead Dak might get hurt or, you know, he, he could, you know, his play could fall off, lose a couple of games and then Romo will be in there. But now we get color in, uh, Chicago, which we talked about earlier, um, nothing special to talk about there um, going forward. But the, he's back on track, um, uh, and he will probably play for uh, lead that offense for the rest of the year. Um, you know, we talked about Lat- Latavius Murray in Oakland, who's back back on track as well. Um, I, I like him. I, w- I was really down on him for a couple weeks, the past couple weeks, because I thought one of those guys, Jalen Richard or DeAndre Washington, would step up and M- Murray would have a more limited role uh, when he came back. But we saw that that is not the case on Sunday. That's so. correct. Yeah. Lat, Lat, Lat Murray still owns that job. Yeah, and we, and a couple others, you know, that where it's not really back on, you know, they're not coming back from injury or anything, but um, a couple of roles that are shifting, you know, we have in, um, we saw on Monday night uh, in uh, in Denver that Devontae Booker is going to now have an equal share of the load with C.J. Anderson uh, running the ball, and that I, it's pretty obvious that. You know, even though Simeon had a nice uh, was had a nice rapport with uh, Emmanuel Sanders and did throw that touchdown pass to uh, Demarius, that they're going to run the ball. They're they're each going to get you know 15 to 20 touches. They're going to run the ball 35, 40 times a game with these two guys. They're both going to be fantasy relevant. So Devontae Booker is a really nice waiver add this week if he's still out there. I will be looking. For him on the waiver wire with one of my three losing teams this week. <laughs> Very good. So, so those are players you'll never believe who are back on track. So now, now we're gonna. So it's week eight. Waiver wire ads are very difficult. Some of these players that we just mentioned are likely to already be on roster, so it's more like put them back in your lineup. Um, now we're gonna look at a couple of players who are maybe out there on the waiver wire who are worth taking a look at if you're in need so we're we'll call the segment bottom of the barrel <laughs> we'll go position by position at wide receiver what do we have uh not much i mean there's you know i think brandon lafell is probably the biggest wide receiver ad after what he did you know in, in cincinnati and it's not just i mean not in cincinnati but against cleveland but it it's not just that game, if you look back at his last like three games, I think he's been getting like seven uh, targets per game. He's obviously become the number two guy there. Um, there was some concern early in the year, or not concerned, but some hope that Tyler Boyd, the rookie, would kind of move in and be kind of that dynamics, either slot guy or um he's, he's really fast so maybe he would do a lot uh for the team but um brandon lafell is just uh, he has that veteran presence uh, andy dalton is becoming comfortable with him he's been getting like i said around seven targets per game over the past four games um getting uh, four touchdowns over the past three games so he's definitely a part an uh, uh an important cog in that offense right now all right what about running back Running back, I would go with Chris Thompson. And the reason why is because 
um, I think that he's probably going to um, be the most consistent running back in Washington, even though he doesn't run the ball a lot. He only gets like five, five to seven carries a game. Um, but he is the passing down back there. So he'll always be in the, in the, uh, in the game through it, you know, in there throughout the game. And we saw with Matt Jones this past week, he's just not reliable. He's going to have a, a really solid game here or there, but he's going to give the uh, coaching staff headaches and eventually they could even maybe turn away from him and go to Rob Kelly, who is a rookie um, who could end up being the guy by the end of the year there. But Chris Thompson will always be involved. Um, I can see Washington becoming more of a passing oriented team. So I could see him, you know, getting upwards of, you know, between five to 10 uh, targets a game in that passing attack. All right. That's, you know, that's, that's not nothing. That's something, you know, it's worth it. If you're looking for a number three or right. someone to fill, fill in the gap, um, those, those are players to target. And then um, last two positions, tight end and defense, anybody out there um, to scrape the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> the, the tight end I really like, uh, which is on our waiver wire article is Jack Doyle. And even I, you know, um, was listening and heard some news, about Dwayne Allen, his uh, in- ankle injury is week to week, so it sounds like a high ankle sprain. Um, and Jack Doyle is turning into a real, real nice touchdown target there, goal line target for Andrew Luck. He's six six, uh, two seventy. He's this big guy that uh, Luck seems to look his way a lot. And they, and Indy, I think Indianapolis is one of the they they I think they look towards tight ends like 30 30 40 percent of the time in that offense at when they're at the goal line Mm -hmm. so he's he's going to get a lot of touchdowns he's not going to obviously be the athletic tight end that we want to have on our fantasy teams but you know if you're if you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel for tight end position um you have some you know it seems like a legit target um also you have to, I mean, as, as tough of a run as it's been for um, Indy and um, Andrew Luck in particular, um, I think most people still believe that Luck is an elite quarterback. Um, once they're able to find their groove and, and get things in sync and, um, you know, kind of like get their offense in rhythm, I mean, look, Doyle's their number one tight end. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a smart pickup. Um, if you're thin at tight end or you have a bye week um, where you need um, someone to fill the gap, you know, definitely a worthwhile target. Um, cool. And so that finishes up bottom of the barrel for us this week and almost finishes up the podcast. But we have our favorite segment, our most fun segment um, that we touch on every <laughs> week. Can't let go. Um, once again, wait, I will let you kick it off. Is there, what, what can't you let go of this week? What I can't let go is the performance by Alan Robinson this past weekend. And really it goes back to like what you mentioned earlier, you know, the Jacksonville offense is looked really horrible. Um, Blake Bortles is the complete opposite of what he was last year, which is surprising everybody, especially for fantasy. He was a top 10 fantasy quarterback um, last season, I think ranked seven overall, six, seven overall. And we we're kind of expecting to him at least, you know, hit those numbers or somewhere around there. And and hopefully, you know, in his third season, take a step forward. 
kind of like what we're seeing with Derek Carr in Oakland. You know, Derek Carr has has looked better and better and better. So now he's in his third season. He looks even better. Um, Blake Bortles has has looked terrible, not just for fantasy, which is underperforming there. I think he's ranked like 15, 16 for fantasy at the position. But just on the field, just watching the game, he just, you know, his throwing motion, everything is just out of sync. Um, He has playmakers all around the board. Julius Thomas, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, uh, Marcus Lee, who who has been getting a lot more targets, has turned out to be a pretty solid number three. So, he, you know, he's got playmakers, but he's just so bad. And yeah. for me, it's it's almost Chris like this, Ivory. Yeah, Chris Ivory, TJ Yeldon, who's pretty good catching the ball in the backfield. So that's not the problem. You know, it's not the the problem isn't he doesn't have anyone to throw the ball to. The problem is him, you know. But really what I see when I start looking at this, you know, when I start trying to wrap my head around, you know, what's going on in Jacksonville, is I kind of look around the whole league and I don't see very many offenses that are fluid performing week in, week out with, you know, a very solid, uh, wonderful, really good offense that we're seeing, you know, every week. Um, You look at a lot of teams that we expected some really good numbers out of. And we talked about Cincinnati earlier. You know, they it was nice for them to perform this week against Cleveland. But what have they done otherwise? You know, I mean, they've been a, for the past five, six years, they've been a really solid offense for fantasy. And it's just been really inconsistent. Um, Arizona, you know, we talked about that game against Seattle, who does have a good defense. But Arizona has been out of sync this year. You know, mm-hmm. Green Bay. Yeah. Once again, you know, Aaron Rodgers, we're seeing, is is it really him just like, you know, waning at, at this part of his career? Or is it just the offense can't get in sync? You know, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's not too many offenses out there where we're like really excited about seeing them every week, you know, especially for fantasy when we're trying to project how well we're going to do or who we should be picking up, you know. Um, I think there's only like five, six offenses where I really feel good about at this point. Yeah, I mean, in Jacksonville, I mean, I definitely look at the coaching. I mean, it doesn't seem like, you know, they're they're doing anything particularly innovative. I, you know, watched quite a bit of the game because, you know, it was versus the Raiders and got, it was the first time in a long time I've seen like a whole Blake Bortles game. And, um, you know, I honestly felt like there was a numerous plays where he had plenty of time in the pocket. He's he's a big mofo. He's six five, so he's standing back there. He has good lines of sight, and he just can't deliver the ball. Um, and you would think, in his third season, um, you know, you would see some improvement, but it's kind of the same thing. Um, how much of it is him to blame? And we talked about Matt Stafford earlier and the impact that having the right um, talent and um, head coach and offensive coordinator around him makes. Um, and so I don't look at Bortles and think this guy is, you know, he has horrible mechanics or horrible decision-making, but something's not right down there. And, you know, Alan Robinson is the, the victim or participating in that. Um, so, um, yeah, Jacksonville is just, you know, heading south, you know, they I mean, they weren't very good in the first place. So, um, <laughs> It's it's not, but I think there there have been like as you were pointing out anticipation that it'd be the year for them to kind of take that step. 
um, but it's not happening. Yeah, I mean, to, to draft, you know, some of us drafted Robinson in the first, second round, obviously. Based on his performance fast. last year, he led the yeah. league in touchdowns. Right, yeah, and and to get a, you know, to, to get like one catch for 12 yards is <laughs> is really, you know, not something you want out of your first round pick no, for fantasy. So. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, my can't let go this week is the Cleveland Indians. As everybody knows, it's the World Series, and the big story is the two teams, the Cleveland Indians and the Chicago Cubs, neither of whom has won a World Series or even a pennant since the 40s. Um, it's a fascinating drama um, you know, I think we all love the narratives that you can follow about the players and the, you know, the kind of trials and tribulations of both of these franchises. But, you know, one thing that I just can't get past every time that I see this Cleveland team on my television is the horrendous um, and hideous um, portrayal of um, Native Americans that is used in the team name and in the team uh, logo, right? Uh, first of all, these people are not na- Indians. They're Native Americans. We all know that that was a misnomer based on um, Columbus not understanding where he was and so basically ignorance. Yes. Um, and, you know, Still. second... And then second, Sorry. and secondly, the, the 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 cartoonish portrayal of what a Native American looks like as their logo. I mean, it's one thing when I look at certain teams, like for example, the Florida Seminoles, um, or the excuse me, Florida State Seminole. Is it Florida? Florida State. Florida State. The Florida State Seminoles, um, or the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, to me, these are teams team imagery that I don't have a problem with. I don't think having Native American, you know, references in a sports team is necessarily unacceptable. You know, when we look at the Redskins, the word Redskin is actually a slur. The image that they use is quite noble, and I think it's actually a beautiful character. And so there's that. (laughs) Um, But here for Cleveland, you know, the name Indians and then the cartoon that they use of this dude with this, you know, just a cartoonish appearance. You know, it, it'd be one thing. I think when you have the fighting Irish, like it's this is a caricature. And by the way, the Irish people have a lot of vested interests in, you know, the um, leadership of the Catholic Church, right? I mean, it's not like there's no Irish people that are part of the Catholic Church. Um, in this case, it's not, and it's um, it's a tragedy because I would love to be thinking about the game and to you know actually be able to turn on the the World Series and enjoy the competition without being um, distracted. But you know, to me, this is 2016. We should have respect for all people. It doesn't seem to be getting any type of media coverage or attention because it's not based on a slur the way the 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 redskins are but i find it um very offensive i find it very typical of the way that native americans have no voice no power i mean you don't see this type of uh cartoonish um caricature for any other ethnic group or people of any other heritage in the world um, so it's uh, irksome, and um, I just can't let go. <laughs> so yeah, are you rooting against them in the World Absolutely, Series? absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I was rooting for the Giants, as, as of course I do. They're another, you know, good run and great team, but they didn't, they didn't quite have the offense this year that they needed to. But I watched them battle the Cubs, 
And um, the Cubs are a pretty damn good team and a lot of great players. And plus, you know, they have that um, legacy of kind of being cursed. So they're breaking the curse, breaking the Kershaw, as I saw a sign, a fan sign when they beat the Dodgers <laughs> the other night. So, yeah, yeah. I think the Cubs are you know, very worthy of supporting and they beat my team. So why not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to what you said. You know, ignorance is really the problem here. You know, and we, our culture, you know, we accept so much that is should not be accepted, you know, and we're and people aren't willing to really just raise awareness about it. The most I've seen regarding this issue has been on Twitter, you know, with people raising it. Um, like you said, it hasn't been in the mainstream at all. Nope. Um, and, you know, maybe because it's so much in the limelight. because of this world series maybe it will become more of an issue um you know i think the the whole idea of uh i really like what you said about you know um columbus and the ignorance there and and i think that that is kind of what it comes down to people are just want to be ignorant about it and it, it is a ridiculous uh symbol uh when there could be so many different ways to do it um, and I remember the Cleveland Indians uh, back in the you know late 70s, early 80s, when they kind of had a classic style with just a C on their hat. And, you know, um, definitely admire that a lot more than before it became the kind of like this 80s sticky thing. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd, it'd be interesting to see like what the history is on that. But I don't know how far back that, that whole image goes. But I, I remember it kind of being adopted, I think, again. And um, when I was a kid, I kind of liked it. But, you know, that was when I was ignorant. And, you know, now that I'm aware of what, what it represents and, and how offensive it is, it definitely has changed my whole perspective, you know, on the, on the Indians. Although I've always, <laughs> I've always kind of had a, a soft spot for them. Um, I, I was watching the game tonight, and it's the first time I really kind of watched a baseball game in a while. And it was interesting to watch, you know, see these two teams, like you said, who have a long history, haven't been of futility, yeah, yeah, for a long, 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 long time, and and have and one of them, you know, is going to go home with a really kind of historic, you know, title this year. So. Um, um, you definitely have uh, made me think about it a little more uh, about who I'm kind of hoping it is, although I don't really care that much about either of these teams. But, um, you know, it's really nice to bring it up. We need to talk about it. Um, it, it is 2016, and these issues um, of just disrespect need to be we need to talk about them, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, native Americans are just a a community that is not represented, um, in, in, um, they have, they have no power in media, um, in popular culture. They're invisible and, and basically completely invisible, unfortunately. Um, and I would just say, try and imagine any other ethnic heritage represented in this type of cartoonish way. Mm-hmm. you know and use your imagination you use a disrespectful term not necessarily a slur but or an image you know 
Yeah. And, you know, cartooning the kind of like stereotypical image of what a person, you know, do, do all Native Americans run around with the Indian, excuse me, with the, with the, um, feather in, in a, in a band around their head, you know, do that to any other ethnic group, picture it in your mind, put it on a hat and wear, wear it downtown when you're out at the bar and when you're taking your family to dinner and uh, just, just, you just imagine how people might react, but you know, Indians, it's okay. So um, anyways, I love to bring us down at the end of the podcast. So that's this week in fantasy football. Thanks for listening. You guys, Wade, thanks for engaging in the, once again, brilliant insights this week in fantasy football. You can find us at twiff.net or at twiff.net twitter um and you can work find us on facebook so thanks everybody for listening we'll be back at you soon talk to you soon wait all right take care Is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned. Everywhere is war. It's a war. The 
get until they're no longer first class and second class citizens of any nation until the color of a man's skin is of no more significance than the color of his eyes miss a war that until the basic human rights are equally guaranteed to all without regard to race and it's a war that until that day the dream of lasting peace